Hello and welcome to episode number 101 of the Trucking Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Paul O'Callaghan. For some reason, you seem to reckon for the first time in about three months, which is unreal. How's that How's that possible? <laughs> uh, just been busy, busy driving trucks, Dougie, and that's kind of <sighs> taken, taken up all my time. So really, really busy since the last time... I was on. I just checked. Uh, it was, I think it was the early. It's almost three months since I was on. So since then, I've been been flat out. Uh, yeah, well, that's, just driving on, on the continent. So well, that's the thing. Actually, Truck driving yeah. does tend to be incredibly time consuming, especially when you're doing continental work. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's... we've got in the next issue of the magazine, we've got another part of. Um, your adventure when you were away it was actually just after Christmas but a load of great pictures uh, and a great story from that that's six pages in the May issue which comes out a week on Friday which will be the 15th of April I believe so uh, you might as well let oh, go, go and, go and exp- go explain to us where, what's, what, all your adventures where you've been what you've been driving and what you've been up to then because um, you've yeah. been doing a you've been doing a bit of everything. You were doing local doing stuff on walking floors, and then you got the itch to get back out at the start of New Year. And I take it you've just never come home. Exactly. Yeah, that was it. I was um, <laughs> so from about September up until Christmas, I was on the walking floor work at home, which is it's uh, you know it's nice. It's grand. You get you know you get your Monday to Friday. You're working on Saturday, and um, you know played pretty well. Nice nice trucks and all that. But I suppose the only thing is it's it lacks a little bit in in adventure for me, and I like. Like getting out, so I was I was counting down the time until I could get away. To, um, I head out over Christmas, so I think that diary that I did for you, the last one was there was two pages a, a few issues ago, and then I think you're going to have the rest of it in um, in the upcoming issue. But uh, that was in that 660s. I think I spoke about that in the last podcast, so I won't I won't bang on about it too much. Um, so because well, I mean, how was that? How was, was that anyway? Because not too many people have driven these new Scania's. I think. Did we speak at the time? Because I had the 530S about the same time, which is a little entry level V8. Um, and yeah. I'm going to I'm going to hazard a guess at the 660. It was um, pretty uh, pretty fantastic. That was not going to be affected by um, yeah. hills well, or that at all. So I did I did a couple of trips in it in around then Christmas, January, and um, fabulous truck. Uh, the only problem was that if you want to call it a problem, I didn't have enough weight on to really merit a 660. So I was maybe 34, 35 tons. And and I'm fully convinced that a 500, 530, 540, it's, it's loads of power. And wh- what I mean by that is you're not really getting the benefit of that extra, whatever, 100, 100 or 130 horsepower, unless you're, you're not. At, at least at least 40 tons, you know, 40 I'm, tons and upwards. That's my opinion anyway. I'm convinced that the ECU and the management and the mini way, it detects what loads on it. And it's not giving you the full power at that, that anyway. It's like ratcheting it back for reasons of economy anyway, I reckon, on those. Possibly, so you're right, yeah. you're, you're yeah. right enough, because weirdly, it's somehow more satisfying if you've got like mm. a normal sort of 500 running it that way, because you can feel it working harder. Did you ever ever meet guys something. who... Uh, Maybe who it's a psychological thing. <laughs> well, I've I've met a number of lads who will uh, declare that you know, the likes of there's certain old trucks who won't... Who won't mention any names because I think a lot of people know but they always say the more weight you put on them the better they pull now I don't know about you but mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in physics and yeah. <laughs> uh, physics, physics kind of you know dictates mm-hmm. that well actually no if you put some more weight on something it actually won't pull as well but I think what they mean is psychologically in their mind they think oh yeah now I've got mm-hmm. a good load on that truck is pulling really well yeah, now you're getting the now you can hear it working. You're getting the full noise out of it, and now it's showing you what it can really yeah, do. But it, but I, it's I think, not going uh, No, I think there is a. <laughs> I mean, there is a case with the new trucks with these superpower V8s and FH16s and things. When you do go right up the weight range, then they do start working to their full capability, and then you can really see what they can do because it's amazing when yeah. when it's sitting at forty four tons. And in, in Sweden, I was lucky to drive the FH60 there. You crank it up to sixty four tons. And the thing's still going, you know, the same sort yeah, of yeah. way. Then now, you can see, but it's, having, it's psychological. Eh? It's psychological. Going, having said all that, I drove, I'll come back to in a minute, I drove a, uh, an S520 and a 530S. I did a couple of trips, so I'll come back to that in a minute. And then I got back into the 660 again, and that was um, 
that was you know uh, fish, shellfish, whatever from from Ireland and France, and that was that was quite a heavy load. And I definitely did notice then that with that sort of big weight on, that you could feel the um, it, it was justified in in, mm. in having that sort of weight. So you you need to be you need to be up you know big weights 40, 44, 45, 46 ton, I think, to get the benefit of mm. those trucks. And if you're not, you're better off with a five hundred is is uh, will do the job. But uh, I tell you, I had a I drove an S520, that was a 6x2, so mid-lift, and drove that to, to Spain, did a drop down, a run down to Spain, had, had 10 drops of beef. I was supposed to go on a 650, a 650 left hooker that turned out to be, even though I was only three years old, it was very tatty, the bed was, uh, the bed was actually, I don't know how he described it, like yeah, you wouldn't put a dog on it. It was, you know, in the Scania beds now, so the beds pull, pull in and out, um, yeah, you I can extend what, what, the bunk. Yeah, yeah. And I think what had happened here was, it, it, personally, it, there's actually a lot of moving parts there, and, and there's kind of a lot to go wrong, and especially if guys are a bit rough with them. So I I never, what had happened was, I never extend them. Do you extend them? I all the time. Yeah, I I tell you, it's when you get used to that extended bed. Uh, I know. And I read your thing lately, where in you were in the five thirty, and you said you didn't extend it, but um, it's interesting. That, but there's actually, funny enough, I noticed um, when I was in the five. 30 the next week it had a, a non-extending bed so it was only then that i realized it's, it's obviously not a standard fitment and you can you can spec it uh down spec them with the non-extending bed so it only mm. has you know one handle under the bunk to lift mm. it up but just going back to it the bed was uh it was like the cushion the whole cushion which is mm. you know part of the bunk had kind of crumpled up like you actually couldn't lie in it and it was stained it looked it looked manky um what else was wrong? There was a squeal from the engine, which turned out to be, I don't know, a release bearing or something. So in the end, I didn't take the 650. I took the 520, which actually mm. was a far nicer truck. It, it didn't have the top bunk, and instead it had the lockers in the back wall. Mm. So that's the first time that I had a new next-gen Scania with right. the lockers. And I have to say, it actually changed my opinion. But beforehand, I was always, again, a top bunk man. Now the top bunk is great. You can put your bag up there. But the lockers are actually you like better. That? Yeah, because they're... You have a lot of storage space up there, and even mm. you can you can actually even fit your bag up there, and creates uh, gives you a bit more room in the bunk. So that was uh, that was my tokens for it, and that was a nice that was actually a nice truck. That five twenty, she was doing a nice speed as well, uh, good spec. Um, no no complaints with it, and you know what, Dougie, it pulls, it pulls mm. fine. I had no issues with it, so that was that was my take. And then from the following week, then I had a five thirty S. Uh, which was a pretty new truck as well, only a couple of months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, left hooker, fairly basic spec. When I, when I was swapping over the gear with the other driver, I noticed that it didn't have the center mat. So I've always seen, you know, the Scania center mat is either leather or carpet. Yeah. This one, this one had a rubber center mat, oh. which is the basic, basic spec. I didn't even know it was possible. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was, it was all right. She was on, it was on steel on the front. Um, it was missing. It was missing a couple of buttons. You know the button for leveling out your air suspension. Yeah. You know, I couldn't find that. They didn't missing have that. Missing on the dash. So it was missing on missing on the dash. So that you, I had that little little light was on all the time. You know, telling you that your air suspension needed to be uh, up and down. So there's all these kind of weird things that oh, I've it's noticed. So bizarre. Sca- you yeah. can tick so many things that you can tiny tiny. Options that you can tick that you just did buttons on the dash and things. Ah, it's yeah, curious that maybe save a bit of money by stealing the stealing the front is becoming more unusual now for the, the mm. long haul tractors for what you're doing. And you know, exactly, did, yeah, I mean, that how did the 530 power wise compared to the 520 because that's the updated version of that engine? It's obviously it's just detuned. You would think that that engine should last forever in that state of tune. You know, because that's to say, you you could just go and remap that, and it will go to five ninety. I think it might even go to six sixty. I think they're all the same engines basically, and it's a seven seventy that's all different. I think. I fairly sure you're correct on that. Yeah, I I found it uh, grand. I didn't notice a huge difference between the the five twenty and the five thirty. Um, just to say that there was, I I thought the five thirty had had ample power for. For what it was doing mm. again, you know what we've been saying before. It's it's that is that has that super low revving uh, overdrive gear. Um, and now just one thing, uh, a lot of people are kind of raving about this new Scania gearbox and uh, saying how 
it's um, basically how brilliant it is. I, I haven't noticed, I'm not criticizing it too much. I, did, I just didn't notice that it was anything overly spectacular. And mm. I actually found it when I was maneuvering in, say in, uh, in around the yard to go from first gear mm. or into reversing that, it actually mm. couldn't make up its mind. And you're, you're kind of sitting there for mm. a second or two. So yeah, I didn't, um, didn't it wasn't overly mm. kind of, overly impressed, but you know, still fine at the same time. No, no, I liked. That. I, I, I liked. That. I noticed it. I thought it was um a bit sharper than the previous generation because I did. I did have the R five forty, for a bit uh, there. I didn't oh, yeah. do. I didn't do as much as in it as I should have. My week was kind of curtailed with it. So, um, but I still got. A, I still got a good run in it in some really adverse conditions. And that obviously that's a five forty. So it's the old six cylinder with the old gearbox. And obviously that's been deleted now although there will still be ones filtering into fleets because it takes so long to build the bloody things. And that was interesting because that's on paper, it's got slightly more horsepower, but a bit less torque than the V8. That's right, yeah. Um, and this one was more run in and it went, I mean, pound for pound, you wouldn't notice anything different on the road. It was about a mile and a half gallon uh, better than the, the 530, but it was brand new. No, and I obviously I'm a I'm a fan of the R cab because of the lower drive height and the handling. So I would if of you course, given, yeah, yeah. if you presented me with with a new R five forty and a new five thirty S, if they're like similar spec, I would probably still take the R just because I like the driving yeah. position and I like the handling on it. Things like that. It's going to be really interesting to see what this five sixty super is like. This new six cylinder with the twin cams, because that's going to be the one that they're going to be trying to get. You know, that's going to start encroaching into V8 territory in certain areas. But I was speaking to Pete White the other week, and a V8 is just such a cast iron asset to buy. You know that it's going to be worth X amount down the and line. It's not going to appreciate much. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how good or bad the fuel economy is. Yeah, it doesn't. In a, in a lot of cases, it doesn't really. The fuel economy is what it is in a lot of jobs yeah. as well. And the V8s will level them level themselves out. Just one thing, actually. It, just came to my mind when I was in the 660 and, mm. and I was heading for was heading for the well the, the previous night a pretty bad night I noticed that the mm. wipers mm. had kind of stopped working properly they'd either work on full rally speed or they wouldn't work at all mm. and uh, I was heading up to the ferry in Dublin the next day and I just said you know what maybe this uh, no harm to get this looked at so mm. the wipers when you when you turned off the the, um, the switch they just stop anywhere they stop in the middle of the screen you had to kind of ah, time dropped get a relay or so, something yeah. yeah exactly yeah so um contacted uh, so the closest Scania would have been uh, Delaney's Scania there in Nace this is on a Saturday mm. gave them a ring they said yeah no problem at all you just have to get on to so the, where the truck had been sold that was in Westford and mm. um, let them get on to a standard fairness got in there and the lads straight away said yeah it sounds like a wiper motor which have been given problems on the S and went in and had it changed in about half an hour and back on the road again so I was quite impressed with the with the level of service there, but it must be just a maybe a kind of a a bit of a problem with the with with the newer S's, the the wiper mm -hmm. motors. Maybe someone mm -hmm. else has got it, but uh, other than that, you know, had, mm. had no problems at all. So you'd been you'd been to Spain twice. Um... You've been to France a couple of times as well. What's it, yeah. what, what, have the, what have the roads been like, the conditions and the sort of COVID restrictions and all that sort of stuff? What's life been like on the road? The weather been kind to you and all that? What's You've been living the dream, sort of happy yeah, to be back out of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely living the dream. And those those trips to Spain were, were very enjoyable. Actually, the first one, normally we'd go out, we'd get that really long ferry, that 32-hour ferry from mm. Rosslayer into Bilbao. But because the weather was so rough, the ferry was off. So Bay of Biscay always gets a bit choppy there around uh, January, February time with storms. So we actually went out um, Dub Dublin, Cherbourg, which is nice because you're actually getting, you're getting more driving then. So you're, you're off in Cherbourg and then, you know, a full car to bring you down to around Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. And then another, another car to bring you to Madrid. So start, start your deliveries there around Madrid. And then head down to Murcia, which is another, would say, five hours south of Madrid. So you're you're well south, like you're down in the southeast of Spain at that stage, and sure, it's just like a different world down there. You know, it's um, sun is shining, uh, oh. just just really nice, really enjoyable. That was I, that, that is the kind of standout memory from 
from back then, January, February, being down there, thinking like this is, you know what, this is nice now. And um, just nice restaurants, cheap food, plenty of park and plenty to see. Um, no, really, really enjoyed it. Now, even though at that time I had, I had, a, I had quite a lot of drops and would few them in around Mercy, but didn't, um, few, you know, a few, few challenges there. A couple of them were, were a bit of a challenge, and um, that's that's kind of what I like, you know, just trying to find places and, and work it mm. out and a- ask people and phone people up and 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 get them done, you know. Absolutely, there's so much to do to do with what a driver does. I've mentioned that. Um, I've written the sharp end article in the next issue, and I go into automation a little bit there because I noticed some other kind of smug city dwelling types saying, you know, oh, well, you know, you're all going to be replaced by automation and that soon anyway. And I'm like, it just shows that you know absolutely nothing about transport whatsoever. You've got no idea of the enormous role a driver plays at any level in getting stuff to where it needs to be. Is it, you know? Your truck would get you know, stuck be, at the end of the road because it wouldn't understand that somebody I, was flashing at it to let out a junction. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a kind of a, a little, a funny little kind of a story that I, anyone, anytime people kind of trot out that old rubbish that you're going to be replaced. And it's like a few years ago in Ireland, they tried to bring in automatic voting. So this e-voting. So you didn't physically have to go into, you know, the voting centres and write down on the bit of paper and mm-hmm. tick the box and put the thing in the window. We brought mm-hmm. in e-voting and it didn't work. All those mm-hmm. mach- all those machines are scrapped somewhere, sitting out and sitting out in an old storage facility. So, I think I said, you know what? I think my job is pretty safe for now. If we couldn't even manage to do e-voting successfully, uh, don't think there's going to be driverless trucks in my lifetime anyway. Yeah, the, at the moment, they can't get the electronic components for the fucking wing mirrors. You think they're <laughs> going to be able to get all the components to make the thing drive itself? Exactly. Then he said it. <laughs> now, now you said it. Yeah. So. Uh, look, anyone who's who's driving a truck at the moment, I reckon they'll be within our lifetime anyway. It will be. If you if you end up getting know. replaced by a robot, dear God, you're useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, and um, you know, I, I was actually after I did those did those um, fridge runs, I moved across. Then uh, it's pretty busy on on the livestock at the moment, so I've, I've did uh, I've done three runs with with livestock from Ireland. So I was in Spain twice. And I was in the Netherlands, and um, you know those those lads who are doing that job all the time. It's uh, definitely one of the toughest sectors sectors of of transport. And uh, and as I was doing it, you know, there was kind of uh, I was thinking about what you were saying, people on about automation, and I was thinking, Jesus, it'll take a lot of robots to do this job, you know. Well, uh, they won't need it anymore because we're not going to have livestock because we're all going to be living on vegan tofu. Well, that, we're not going to have well, pet you know cows. What? <laughs> There's that's I, I yeah exactly I can't even like how can I even argue with that you know uh yeah we're not going to be eating, we're not going to be transporting animals um we're not even going to be eating meat I mean it does um, look it, I mean that's I mean Phil, I mean you've done livestock uh, not only in in Ireland and the UK and Europe you've done it over in Australia as well with those crazy big angry cows you know that, that, that really pissed off about everything just and, um, just different runs. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know what? Like, the, uh, despite what what uh, what people say about this veganism and that, like the um, consumption of meat worldwide is actually increasing. Well, you, you know, it's important. You you don't you only need to get don't need to get Chris Madison started and something like that. I mean, he always makes a good point. They come out, but yeah. I mean, they come out and say, you know, way, it's, sorry, it's, it's just, bad I... for the it's bad for the environment and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I was not when I had that five forty Scania. I went down the road with loads of, um, what did I take down the road? It was a whole load of vegetables that had come out of Scottish fields and everything, which were going down to England to be distributed to go out to be sold around there. Great, wonderful stuff. The stuff I was bringing back up the roads, a whole load of fruit from the other side of the planet, guavas and pomegranates and all these kind of things from, from uh, uh, Guyana and, you know, Argentina and all these places. And how many lorries and boats and planes and everything do you think that's been on? You know, what is the carbon footprint of that nonsense? Whereas by you can go and eat a, a, a lamb or a cow that's lived in a field next door to you, you know, all its life. What's the carbon footprint of that? We know we know the truth about all this sort of stuff. It's a, um, exactly, an agenda yeah. on the um, <laughs> No, 100%. Uh, it just reminded me, I was in, um, I was down in a little village close to, uh, close to Castellan. So after I'd, I'd unloaded north of Spain, down to uh, down to Castellan, you know, we'd often go down there for for backloads. But um, 
don't know if you remember last year I did a diary uh, when I was out with livestock as well. I got uh, I got weekended down there and I spent a couple of nights in a little hotel. So this time uh, it's similar. Like it's uh, anybody will think it's always it's always a holiday when I go with livestock. But it was just a, there was a there was a, a delay with the backlog. There was a lot, actually actually been a lot of strikes in Spain lately. I think it's um you probably saw that in the news. You're that's you that's very tuned in with all what's happening in, uh, on the continent. Mm. Did you see that in Spain? There was a lot of uh, strikes with transport unions. and No, uh, because what, what you find is they do not um, promote this stuff in the mainstream media at all, strikes. nothing, None of the Canadian stuff, none of the American stuff. It's not um, any working class strikes about things are not promoted oh. in the mainstream media. And it's quite suspicious and it's quite alarming what's going on with with all that, you know. It's, uh, there's strange things going strange things going on in the world with all that. But what was that? What was it? Did you get kind of stuck in it and all that? Uh, well, all, all that happened was really I just I got delayed by a couple of days, so I booked into a little little hotel down in a place called Torre Blanca. I'd been down there last year, so the price of the hotel had gone up, so it went up from twenty euros a night to twenty five euros a night. So that was that was. Um, <laughs> 50 quid for, for two nights, uh, truck park safe. And uh, they actually remember me uh, fr- from being there last year. But I went for a little walk down the town and uh, I noticed that the streets, they had the streets kind of blocked off, but they had them blocked off with these big kind of fences with a little kind of a gate that you could walk through. Mm-hmm. So it didn't kind of dawn on me for a minute. Then I noticed that all the shop windows had um, had these kind of cages put in front of them on doorways. So what it was, was there was a little festival on there, a little fiera, and uh, there was, they were going to have uh, bulls running down through the main street. So unfortunately, I missed it. Uh, probably would have been stuck in the middle of that if I had been there a couple of days earlier and mm. and, um, and and enjoying it. But uh, you know, it's it's nice to see stuff like that. Still, it's, it's, a, it's a big tradition down in Spain. Um, of course, Pamplona. That's that's the real famous one for their running of the bulls. But these little fairs are um, are are quite uh, quite common uh, all over Spain. And um, I actually. Mm. The, you know, even uh, you know, bullfighting, you know, it gets a bit of get gets a bit of bad press as well. But they have a lot of stuff. I was looking at a lot of stuff on YouTube there lately. Just a quick one where they have um they have these fairs where instead of actual bullfighting and with spears, what it is, it's it's uh, there's basically a lot of young lads just kind of running around and you know, kind of. Uh, playing kind of uh, chicken with, with a bull. So, the, you know, they don't have any spears. It's kind of, it's it's pretty fair, it's pretty like, balanced. And just at the last minute, they'll, you know, they'll jump out of the way. Or there's guys that are actually into um, more or less like acrobats. When the bull is running towards them, just at the last minute, they'll jump over the bull. And it's quite impressive to watch. And it's like, I, I think it's pretty fair. I mean, you know, if, the, if you get it wrong, the bull is going to... Oh, yeah, you get a... Oh, have, you right seen, up, like, yeah. have you seen the... Jack, the there's a new Jackass film that's just come out. I've not seen it yet, but I've seen one of the clips from it where Johnny Knoxville gets hit by a bull. And that was... Like, I heard the about worst, it. I think that's the worst accident he's ever had. You could what a crunch it hit somewhere. Right. He could have been killed by... Be, yeah, that, so he'd be... He'd be must be nearly 50 now, is he, or more? Yeah, he is. He's fine. He's 152 now. If you look back... The time wouldn't be great, yeah. Oh, man. If you look back watching some of those... Because I was watching like a documentary on it on YouTube, looking back on it, I was like, looking at how young they were. And I'm like, yeah, 2002, man. You know, that was, I was young then as well. That's like half my life ago. Crazy how time time moves on. Right. I'm looking forward to watching that jackass. Quick one for you. I'll do a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's um it's been a while since I've done anything. This is a quick one I was going to ask you as well. Um, I don't I didn't really have any big big incidents uh, down in Spain, mm. thank God. So you're always trying to get in and out there without without um having any any big hassle. But um, I was coming up there. I came up the old road there when I had the had the fridge on. So I come from from Pamplona up to the border in a run up the old National 121. So it's it's a pretty notorious area for the Red Caps who are the Spanish police there who dish out, dish out pretty big fines. So I had a little checkpoint on the road. And I was like, oh, geez, there was a couple of trucks flashing as I was coming up to it. So mm. um, they had a little checkpoint on the road, just stopped the truck on the road. Opened, he opened the door straight away and looked to see if I had my seatbelt on. So lucky enough, I had it on, but I sort of had it on. I had it kind of across me. He actually put his hand on just to see if I had it clipped in because I, I was in I was in the 520 that time. I was in the right-hand drive, yeah. So he was able to, you know, kind of pull at the seatbelt to see if I actually had it. Had it. Yeah, and I kind of had... Yeah, excuse, so me, I, excuse me, COVID, yeah. COVID exclusion zones. Oh. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so Bloody I was just going to ask, um, ask if you... Look, everyone's a bit different. I kind of uh, come from 
you know, the old days when I was, I remember being in a truck and the whole, part of the whole thrill was that they didn't have to wear a seatbelt and uh, I just find them a bit restrictive, you know, if you want to move around the cab. And, um, exactly. When you're, when you're trying to reach the microwave to go uh, and get your, your curry in when you're driving down the motorway, exactly. you can't yeah, drive exactly. the seatbelt on. No, the coffee yeah, yeah. maker and a Scania well, is away on the other side of the cab and you need to get to <laughs> but, that if uh, you want a brew. Going on well, actually... <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're dead right. But the the one I'm in, I'm I've I've switched back to an old gen, uh, old generation, fifteen range, R580 mm. at the moment, and it has the coffee maker on the on the dashboard, you know, just on the corner of the dashboard there, which mm. which is quite handy. But um, no, just wondering as a as a kind of straw poll, how many drivers wear mm. wear seatbelts and and how many don't. I know that for a fact when I'm on the continent now, like especially in France and and in Spain, they'll always. Mm. They'll, they'll kind of be looking out for us. And even once it looks like that you have it on and you have it kind of pulled across you, it's up to yourself. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to, you can get these little clips, you know, that will stop the, the seatbelt retracting so you can have it on kind of nice and loose. Or um, So I hear there's all these little little kind of ways around it. But uh, I just wonder uh, if a, most guys have them on. I, I was driving an ERF EC11 the other week. Um, a class, I was out seeing um, uh, Ian for, uh, McLenaghan who's got a, a, a fleet of classics so he gave us a shot of his EC11 which didn't have oh, a seat blue and white uh, blue and white ones do other pallets yeah, yeah not them yeah. Uh, and I had a shot of their, um, their ERF and that had no seat belt on it and that's like quite exciting You're like oh it doesn't have a seat belt yeah yeah nice don't know why don't know why but no, <laughs> he's, he's got yeah, yeah. I tell you what I did, uh, yeah it'd be interesting to hear about that send your uh, things in anonymously <laughs> it's uh, I'd asked as well I've yeah. just did a text well been Emma Todman who um, drives a Scania VH she's just mentioned I'd mentioned about Tom Tom Satnavs well Satnavs in general in the last podcast and she said uh, the sat the Tom Tom Satnav and the new Volvos are nothing like what you get when you buy an actual Tom Tom Satnav unit. It's much more basic and it's not as not anywhere near as good. Because I did okay. find that the Tom, I found that the Tom Tom was better in the new generation of trucks that they've put in, but I don't have anything to compare it to against. When I'm using a Satnav, I don't just use one. I run the Tom Tom or I'll run a truck Satnav and I'll run Google Maps at the same time because I'm like comparing the two because Google Maps. Yeah. And ideally, I try to. I'm like you. I like to phone ahead and ask questions about stuff. It's been. I'm like, where, is, where am I going here, mate? Have you? Is this like somewhere where lorries go all the time and that stuff? Because guaranteed, I'll get there. And if, I won't be able to get parked, and I'll have to go and do a twelve mile round trip to get back in again. Stupid things yeah, like that happen that. all the time. That. Yeah, but that's you know what that's that's, <laughs> that's driving. That's, that's, that's part that's of everyday life, and, yeah. and it's exactly yeah. You're it's never going to go hundred uh, percent right for you every day. So, and you have to deal with the problems that come up. So. um what so sat navs yeah. do you use? Just question. What sat navs do you use? Put that out to the listeners. What have you? What do you find works for you? Proceed. <laughs> okay, proceed. So uh, that's just going to say basically that's what I've been basically stepped out of that. Um, I was in uh, I was in Netherlands last uh, last week in that uh, that old generation R five eighty and uh, came in whether came in through um, Hook Holland into, into Harwich there. And Harwich uh, up to up to Hollyhead, so um, that's that's what I've done lately. And uh, yeah, usually I haven't uh, been home. It is three months in it, but that's some mm. going. You've been to Spain, Spain twice to France, Hooker Holland, a couple more Spains, and then another Spain, I think. Yeah, and a and the Netherlands. So it's been it's been quite <laughs> busy, but just um, it sounds like all you know for for anyone who's not. Big into Scanias, it sounds like that all we're all we're doing is talking about Scanias, and I don't actually, I don't seek uh, Scanias specifically. It's just the companies that I work for. That's, that seems to be all they have. And and I was actually the company that I was out for lately. They actually they're they're probably about you know eighty maybe eighty percent Scania, but they have two Renault uh, T highs, and mm-hmm. uh, they're quite nice left because I was kind of hoping actually to get the driver T high because I still haven't driven one. I don't know when did when did the T highs actually come out. Um, well, if it's a left hooker version, nearly ten years ago, believe it or not, years, it was 2013, yeah. and, 2013 and it, they, they first yeah. appeared. So, good. If you're getting the left hooker, you're getting the proper one as well. You're getting the because that's the one, one with well, the yeah. full dashboard in it. The one, the right-hand drive one, still doesn't have that. So you're not oh. getting the full experience unless even, you have a left-hand drive one. Even now, they still haven't updated. Even the, the, the updated. The updated model still, with the, the right Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, still so, doesn't have it. They've sorted the steering yeah. column, um, and. and uh, but they're still uh, the, the, the T-High is, is a truck which doesn't 
it doesn't work hard enough with the space that it's got inside it to my mm. mind. It could it could do things better, even though it's very comfortable and spacious. You know? Yeah, um, so I, I can't really comment. I did I set into one one day and I just thought the dash was very short in storage and I'd see guys talking about the coffee cup yeah, all that. Is. But just to, that's that's basically that's all that's all I'm getting to drive now. This that's in mm. Ireland seems to yeah. be just there's such a huge demand. Try and, or, or I'm, tr- I'm gonna try and get you we'll get you over to RTX in the summer where all seven of the truck manufacturers are there. And we're gonna go yeah. round and say, Come on, get my man here, uh, some vehicles for him to drive on because yeah. there's one the ones I'd love to drive would be I'd love uh Iveco SW five seventy, man TGX five forty. Um there's a chance I may get to drive a Volvo over here. Well that's you know after Scania it's probably the most next uh most likely one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Renault Chi High, you know it's um I tell you what I tell you what you do, you will want to get a shot off, which I was fortunate enough to finally drive last week and that's the new DAFs. Oh actually can I just say I set into one I think it was I think it was the, it was the first one to arrive in Wales. It's a company called CJ Bird. I don't know if you're aware of them. Yeah I was going I in the uh, we're going to, we're doing a feature on them it's going oh, in the yeah. magazine that yeah Delighted yeah. to say, Alan, good the driver, good guy. Yes, that's that's the guy. I mm. set into it down in the Port of Rasslayer. I think it was it was its first trip, and all I can say is, wow, I was really really well. I didn't actually. I kind of stood in the step because I was. I kind of had a bit of cow dung on me, on my boots, and I and I don't think I Alan would have appreciated if I said it. <laughs> I just have a look in the step and sat in, and the first thing that really drew my attention was the amount of space in it. Uh, the back wall seems like it's mm. way far back, and the I think the the icing on the cake is that the fact it has it's not a completely flat floor. It has just a couple of inches that come up, just yes. enough. Yeah, yes, yeah, I, I agree with you. Just enough, <laughs> just to keep that kind of all the grit and the dirt down around where your boots are, and you can take your boots off there and step up. Because I'm not one of these guys who leave the boots in the step. I like to be able to get in and out of the truck, but then take them off when you want to walk into what I call the living room. So really, really impressed and. Um, I would be well keen to drive one of them. There's a company that I do work for. They they have five new ones coming, so um, mm. they're they're quite excited. They're starting them. to yeah, they're starting to um, mm. they're starting to filter in because obviously you've got the XF, which is the more fleet orientated one now, which has got like a sort of six inch step in the middle. Which which, which is, is the XF is 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 equivalent to a Scania R. I would say so now. Yeah, they're yeah. the kind of closest kind of matched each other. Closest. The important then, thing for the DAF XF is it's going to be able to run into London on direct vision standard after 2024, when a lot okay. of full size tractor units won't be able to, even if they're cameraed up, because the DAF XF is low enough to, or whatever, it meets the dimensions to be allowed to do that. So a lot of fleets will be looking at that as a truck which can do everything. It's still big enough to go into a week, a week okay. away, and it's but. The XG and the XG Plus are in a different class yeah. altogether for accommodation and space. Mm-hmm. Previously, I would have said the Scania S cab's the biggest um, for space and accommodation, and the DAF XG uh, beats that. Um, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you. Just, just going on what I've seen, and it mm-hmm. looks like there is acres of space. Uh, the one thing I do find about the great, great dashboard in the Scania, um, mm. plenty of storage space, but they're they're not they're still not perfect. There's a lot of annoying things with them. Once you have to start arsing around pulling in and out beds, it's very very hard. You know, you have to make your bed every day. You have to right. be kind of put put. The quill, quill. I know you don't you don't do it with yours, but to get to get a bed as wide as the bath in the Scania, you have to right. pull it out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well the, good, well, the good things are, I mean, with the Scania, the main issue I have with the S-Cab is it's too high up off the ground. And the fact that it's too high up off the ground gives you a kind of wobbly handling. It doesn't go around corners yeah. as well, and it can get affected by the wind. The advantage um, of the DAF, the DAF is much lower. It's got that little step in the middle. And it's also got, it's got two huge flat areas on the dashboard as well, which makes it super practical. It's got the drawer in the middle, and you, a nice big storage drawer in the middle, all your controls and buttons are pretty well laid out. Cup holders I'm not convinced about because it's only got these two by the driver and it looks like they're kind of fixed into position on the dash and I'm not sure my big coffee cup could fit in it. So that's an important <laughs> thing which I may have to mark it down considerably on. I didn't have my cup there's, at the time. There's one uh, more thing about the Scania as well, sorry, which I find very annoying is on yep. the, the, the pockets in the doors. Mm-hmm. For for holding big bottles of water, I don't know what the hell. This kind of silly little kind of a slanty shape in them. I don't know why they do it. Like they've always had these mm-hmm. kind of really weird shapes. Whereas you just need in the door, you just need to have a 
a square, yeah. you know, or a round shape, just mm. put bottles of whatever mm. you're cleaning stuff or water into it. But for some reason, the scan you seem to make them uh, unu- well, more or less unusable. Like, well, I found um, the DAF's overhead lockers were a good size. I found that the doors on them were they, they didn't seem quite as solid as um, the doors on some other, some other trucks. Um, I'd say like the S-Way has got more solid doors on it. Um, okay. A good thing, okay. the fridge, and you can have two fridges under the bunk, but it's got a cooler at the front of it, so you can fill your fridge up with stuff, and it's got this open area at the front of it, which you can put a couple of two-litre bottles of juice in there, whatever, and it will keep them cool. And you can just go and grab them and pull them out. It's not like sealed off, which I thought was a really nice, nice touch. The party piece is, uh, well, it's got the two, the seats both swivel as well. So you can, yep. which is a nice touch. Oh. But the party piece is when you look behind you and right enough, you see this enormous bed. That's right. And it's so wide. <laughs> and it's got the, it's an, it's an option in the XG standard and the XG plus. And it's got the buttons, the electronic buttons for the adjustable beds. So you can sit like Homer Simpson and go bed goes up. Bed goes down, that, bed yeah. goes up, but you can just oh, it's amazing. That yeah. is a real game changer in terms of like space and accommodation. That is the thing, and it's not going to be easy for anybody else to beat it because DAF waited and waited until these new European re- legislation regs came out and where they could get that bit of extra space. And at one point, we all thought lorries were going to have a little bit of bullnose on them. But they haven't. DAF have done something extremely clever with the space, but it's not just possible for everybody else to go and extend their cab a bit to, you know, mm. match up to this. They've, they've been very patient with it. Um, and now, and it's going to be interesting. It was a 480 model that I drove, which was all eco-moded up, and it was fine. For a 480, it felt like a 480, and eco-mode, it behaved like a normal truck. I did also get the chance to drive a 530 on Friday, for Derek Heaps, uh, which is a scrap hauler uh, near to me from Bowness. And they have got the short diff ratio in it. So it's revving at like sort of 1,350 um, on the limiter. And it's also got eco mode completely turned off. Good. And I'm delighted to tell you that that actually pulled like it at 530 horsepower. Yeah. There was no sluggish about it. It tackled that this about it. It tackled the hills like you would want it to do. And it's like, Finally, because for so long, DAF have been like, you know, that's one of the main things people have levelled a criticism at. They just they don't go as well as they should do. It's like they're, they're restricted in, uh, with this economy-biased software. And what they need to do now, just to put the cherry on top of it all, is get that engine crack. Come on, do as a 560, you know, <laughs> yeah. come on. That's the, that's yeah. the truck that would really get, the, get right in about the Swedes. With that, um, that would be a really exciting thing, and I'm delighted to say I've, um, I'm getting at least one of them to have a test during the summer. Uh, well, after the summer, probably now because it'll be busy with shows. So there you go, folks. The the new DAF is a completely different thing to the old one, uh, and I would seriously recommend if you can get your hands on one for a shot of, grab the keys for it. And if your boss is dangling one in your direction potentially, and you're thinking it's anything like the old XF. It isn't. Yeah, go into that one with an open mind, folks. Now, we've been talking all about all these new trucks that we've been driving over recent times, but you've been busy increasing your classic truck fleet, which is um, not a lot of people know about your your, your um, fleet of old vehicles that you've been uh, investing in in recent times I'll, I'll let you take it let you take it from here and you can explain to everybody what it is that you've got and what it is that you've just recently purchased as well because these are like super these are like super interesting these I think the next time Tom Cunningham's out uh, uh, over in Ireland I think we should send him out to go and do a photo shoot on it and I'll go and write an article on your trucks and things you, you can be on the other end other end yeah. of things for a change. <laughs> well, that'd be no problem. I'd rather you wrote it than I did anyway. But uh, no, I have the. Mm-hmm. I suppose the first one is the is the 1996 Mercedes Benz 1853 Euro cab. That's uh, that's an ex Italian truck. Uh, again, four by two, quite rare in that it's it's a manual as well. Most of them were um, were EPS. Well, all the right hand drive ones were, were mm-hmm. EPS. So um, that's. That's the first one I bought. Then I have the uh, 2000 Volvo FH16 520 Globetrotter XL. That's the one that's, uh, that came out of Crete. So I had I had both of those over at the show in Gaiden last year. 
um, put the Mercedes on a trailer and and uh, put it with the Volvo. And then recently, I you know I kind of had enough in the two, but um, just when something comes up for sale that is is too good to pass up, sometimes you have to just kind of pounce. And um, it was a truck that. I had known about it for a long time and I said to the guy, he was an owner driver and I said to him, if he's ever thinking of selling it to give me a shout ever before I had bought the Mercedes or the Volvo. But lo and behold, anyway, it came up for, came up for sale and um, I had left my phone. I was away, I was gone away from the house and I just, sometimes, you know, the way you just leave your phone, you don't want to go for a walk and have it away from you. And I came no, back and I was no. after getting, no, well, no, I <laughs> my do that phone's every now and my, then. Phone's at my, my phone's permanently mm. I know, well, there I, and it's bad. I shouldn't do that, but that's a I good thing it's a good thing to go and do that. But the minute you I left, left it, somebody phoned you up to well, try and offer you a truck for sale. It was, it was the, it was the, well, the ad came up on Facebook and uh, a couple of days <laughs> a screenshot and sent to me. So I rang, rang him straight away and said, look, I'll, I'll come up. And um, he said, no, I'll give it, a, I'll, I'll promise I'll hold it for you until the morning. They're definitely going to come up. So I did. And um, and I brought it home that evening. So I suppose I've gone on for long enough about talking about it. And I haven't said what it is. It's uh, <laughs> 2000, 2007. Renault Magnum uh, Vega. So not many people know about the Vega. It's it was one of there was there was three different special editions in the Magnum that I'm aware of anyway. So this one is uh, the Vega. Then they had the Route 66, and then they had the Legend. So the Vega, and as far as I'm aware, it's the only one in Ireland. I'm not sure if there's any in um, if there's any in in England. I'm pretty sure there were there were left-hand drive only. So it's it's grey. And that's it's a special kind of Magnum uh, Vega grey, and the interior has uh, leather seats, both sides. It has a swiveling passenger seat, and the bunk can be turned into another seat, which I still haven't done yet. But uh, has carpets inside and a lot of other extras. I looked up. There's a video on YouTube, and it's this really kind of high-end kind of a uh, you know video done by whatever Renault Trucks France, and it shows that they had a PlayStation in them. PlayStation, an electric kettle, and a real fancy aerodynamic back bumper. Now, those three things which I've mentioned, I don't think they actually ever made it into production because I've, I've looked up the Magnums and I haven't seen any of these things. But oh. anyway, yeah, but uh, I'm not that put out that doesn't have a PlayStation, to be I honest. Been, um, it would have been pretty neat if it was still there. If, it was, but, st if it was still there, but I actually don't think they made it. I think this was like no. a concept that they did and they didn't actually put them on. That I'm aware of. But look, apart from that, it's um, she's... Uh, I think it was it was sold new new in Ireland and there was a, there's a bit of a history to it. It was in the company down in uh, in uh, County Kilkenny O'Neill's Greg the Manor had it and I know quite a few guys that have driven it or you know their fathers have driven it or they've done trips and it's all it's it's a very well known truck and it was a, it was an owner driver here in Ireland who had it for he had it for a good number of years and then upgraded to a 13 reg white Renault Magnum which. He sold, he put the two, two of them up for sale the same weekend because he's just gone and bought a uh, Renault T-High. Again, he's a big left-hand drive fan. So it's Was his T-High like a feature there, maybe? Um, yeah, nice. it's all, all of his trucks are, have, are, he's, are, have been pretty pretty tasty over the years. So it's a quite quite a nice one. It's a left hooker, but she's a, she's a mid-lift. Um, so he bought that one, bought that one secondhand. And the white Magnum has actually gone to a guy in England. She was sold the same weekend as, as I bought the Vega. So uh, Richard Fern. Will probably oh, yes. Yeah. 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 It's got some very nice trucks as well. So he bought the Magnum. It's a white 13 Reg Magnum. And I bought nice. the Grey 07. So that's it. Another one to the collection. Um, didn't didn't plan on buying it. And the good thing is it doesn't need it. doesn't really, doesn't need it. It's is very, it, very well-minded. Has it been working? Has it just come off? Like it's, it's been working? No. It was parked up. He parked it up two years ago with the idea, intention of keeping it and building the shed. And then there was other circumstances then. And he just said, you know what? Uh, it, it, it was time to go. So, um, but it's, it's you know what? It's it's really well, it's it's well-minded. I've wanted a Magnum for a long time. And I mm. I actually wanted, I was looking for a V8 one. The problem with the V8 Magnums, quite hard to find. And even if you do find one, the fact that they're kind of quite old, they'll be pretty tatty. A lot of them, uh, you know, spare parts then for the V8s, you know, water pumps was, and stuff uh, like that are quite, quite hard. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Now, 2007 was the kind of changeover year as well when the Volvo running gear came into them, wasn't it? That's when everything changed. So it's, it's, it must be one of the very last ones. Put, so, uh, yeah, so she, boxes on it. 
Is it like that? It's like the knockover. Uh, no, no, she's like the, she's, no, she's she's fully automatic. So that'll, be, automatic. That'll, be Z, that'll be the ZF. That'll be the Stronic that's on that, I think. Um, it'll be pre Volvo. It's I shift. Pretty sure she's I she's I shift. Oh, sweet! So it's got it's, it's got the DXI uh, five hundred Volvo engine and uh, and the I shift ah. box. Ah, that's so good. So that's brilliant. So ah, uh, is yeah. a Volvo. Oh, bro, sweet. So that was well. Look, that was another. You know, look. Mm. I mean, I didn't. It's not a truck respect up itself. That was, um, that was the way it was. It's got you know dual bright alloy wheels on it. Just grey dual bright alloy wheels. Uh, looks you, looks quite smart. Come on, that's good. You could put that to what? Because a two thousand and seven. It's practically brand new. So you know, do some calculations. Geez. and like. No, it wasn't. It was 15 years ago. That's right. <laughs> it just and doesn't seem she, like long ago. <laughs> exactly. And she's the she's the last of the ones with the flat roofs before they went to the to the roundy roof. So I think about 2008, they went to the higher roof on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'll be, a lo- that'll be a lovely thing to drive. That was, um... Very, very nice to drive. I have to say, I drove it home and was, um, put a big smile on my face because they are... Um, you know, quite partial to a Volvo, but I have to say that even the Magnums are more comfortable. They are one of the most comfortable trucks on the road, mm. and mm. Uh, the, the way the way they soak up soak up the bumps, and um, very very nice, uh, just truck to drive. Someone was slagging me there, because oh, I see you're collecting trucks with with um, with uh, with digi cards in them now, or whatever you call it. You know, and it's not it should, technically it's not it's not a it's not a classic if it if it doesn't have an analog tachograph head. But I said, you know what? I'm fine with that. Um, not anymore. Not anymore. Off. Like I would, I not, would absolutely say no. there's plenty of classics because trucks just no. have such a short lifespan. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And um, no. you need to, and a lot of the time you need to. It's important to kind of pick trucks up when they're still so, so relatively new yeah. because they just disappear otherwise. Um, it's a well, real shame. The more the, the rarer they get, the more expensive they get as well. So. Um, I think it was just, you know, it, it, it was pretty, what I consider good value for, for the money. So that's it. So that's it. I'm, I've, I'm all done now. Um, I have the, brought the Volvo down to, uh, to uh, a guy down in County Wexford. They're, they're a pretty big company here, restoring trucks in Ireland, mm-hmm. Devlin Diesel. Um, so he's, Neil has got seven or eight guys working from there and they're uh, giving me a good tour of, of his, workshop down there and uh, it was it was an eye opener to see the amount of work that's been done they actually did uh, probably the biggest project that they've done lately is a, is a Scania 113 top line streamline for a company not too far from me here Kennedy Tank Trans and um, that's full you know nut and bolt restoration lovely stuff well that sounds like an interesting company maybe you could do something on them if they've got a whole load of if they've got trucks in at any sort of given moment or that you know maybe interesting behind the scenes feature you know yeah he had everything that, now again of course being Ireland it's it's nearly all Scanians he had uh, they had a 141 in there that we're doing a uh, few couple of 142s obviously 143s there was a 144 530 twin steer flat roof that a guy has had from you that, that they're doing as well so uh, there was actually a man roadhouse in there. Hey. And, um, yeah, and actually I was talking to a guy lately with a very, very rare man roadhouse tag axle. I think I sent a picture of that to you lately. Uh guy up from Dublin here, so he's agreed to do, do an article. He's got three MANs. He's got uh, he's got the roadhouse and two older ones. But anyway, that's that's for for further down the line. Is there anything we should know about happening in, in Ireland. What's the, what's the important shows and events going forward in that? Uh, I should probably get a list, a list compiled of things because I'm a bit out of... Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, there's stuff piling in so quickly. I've got the truck racing at Brands Hatch at Easter, Grampian Truck Show um, up at Tainston Mart in Aberdeenshire the week after that, and then it's Peterborough Truck Fest, and then it's Convoy, uh, or Convoy Wales out at Pembrey. So there's stuff really piling up fast, and that's just in in the UK as well. And I know there is stuff on the go in Ireland. Yeah, uh, now, I will let you come back to me on that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, sorry, I just have it here. Um, we have the Waterford show in Dungarvan on the 9th and tenth of July. That looks like it's the first kind of show. Then we have what have we got? We've got the Ossery show the, sixth, the following weekend. I think that's more kind of an agri show. Um, we've got Douala, which is 
oh, the yeah. end of August, 27th to 28th of August. I think um, Fuller the Pipe is somewhere in there as well. So that's kind of the ones that um, that that were uh, that we're looking towards. But um, yeah, well, I'd be hoping to get over to Gaden and maybe the Kells and Steam Rally as well. That's that's a good one. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we've got we've got a whole fantastic range of events coming up over the summer, and I hope we're going to be able to get to as many of them as possible uh, after the last couple of years. Um, so where are you? Where are you off to now? You said before we came on this call, you were heading out to Germany in the morning. Yeah, I'm flying out to Germany in the morning mm-hmm. uh, to pick up a machine. It's not a truck. It's a basically what it is. It's a self-propelled wood chipper. So you've got there are there are a few in the UK. There's actually a couple up in Scotland. Um, this is going to be the first one of its kind in Ireland. So got four big wheels, cab, uh, crane on us, and always good. Always good to have a cab. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's um. Yeah, I think they're, I don't know what way, I think it's pretty big machine weighs about, I don't know, over, well over 30 tons anyway, but they're, uh, they're, they're road legal, the same width as a truck, and um, so I'm going to pick that up down, kind of down near, down beyond Munich, flying into Munich, and I'm going to pick that up and, and drive it back to Sherbrooke, which is kind of a two-day drive, I'll stop off somewhere in the meantime, so just see how that goes, oh. um, bit of an adventure, probably have a few, you know, bit of few problems in the way and a few obstacles god knows what they'll be but sure we'll we'll give it a lash anyway and um that's sounds, that's, and that's sounds really interesting week, eh? yeah. you're gonna have to mm. start me a picture of it i can't even visualize what a self-propelled wood chipper may indeed look like but what speed does that go uh 80 kilometers an hour oh it's not so bad then that's all right not so bad big cab sitting up in the middle and um brilliant i'll, I'll find out a bit more i'll be probably getting into it wednesday morning and cool. heading for Sherbrooke. Well, so that's that's what's on there, yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's been lovely to yeah. catch up with you again. I look forward to uh, finding out about all these adventures and um, reading your forthcoming articles coming your way in Trucking Driver very soon. Paul, thanks. Have a great trip to Germany and I shall uh, speak to you again soon. Well, indeed. Nice to catch up to do me and to we'll catch you again next time. Thanks a lot. Thank See you Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.